0: All right ladies and gentlemen, so welcome to another episode of the Long Lost Heroes podcast. I'm AJ and I'm Frank. So today we are bringing you the second installment in the Pierce Brosnan franchise uh and the second in our long running sweeping mini series event, uh, a James Bond retrospective with the Long Lost Heroes podcast. Um thank you for listening and tuning into the Golden Eye show. Uh we are very excited that you uh, enjoyed it. And uh, we are looking forward to bringing you today's entry, Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah. Uh,
1: and just a, another side note, um, I, I don't know if, if the Bond movies are leaving Netflix at all, but um, I saw an article that at the start of April, which is next week, um, the majority of them are going to be on Amazon Prime. So I imagine most people have it, especially in this day and age when you got to get things delivered. <laughs> Yep. Not to be a prime uh, spokesman, but uh, if you've got it, you should be able to see uh, those movies and follow along with us as we make our way um, around and about and through time with Mr. Bond.
0: Oh, yeah. And I think what's going to be really fun to follow along is that uh, you have um, kind of an arc to each kind of thing that we're doing. So we're kind of at like the beginning, you know, like kind of like the peak almost of Pierce Brosnan, we'll get into the other Bonds and, like, the other pieces that we have in store. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm very excited for this project. So, uh, yeah, so today, um, I think, you know, Tomorrow Never Dies in my memories. Uh, the first time I would have seen it would have been on, like, a bootleg VHS that my dad would have brought home from, like, working in the city. And, like, I distinctly remember it having, like, some of, like, the you know, that like text that would scroll up, like not for distribution. And, you know, this is a fucked up tape, whatever, you know, like rolling over like (laughs) the drill sequence. So I got to say just initial thoughts, like watching this again, I liked it way more than I ever remembered it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can't remember this movie like at all. I don't know if it was just at that like perfect time that uh, you know, I, I didn't see it in theaters and I watched it on, on tape and then never went back to it and then never seen it on TV because I could feel like Goldeneye I've caught a couple of the times. And then there's the game with that. And, like, I don't know. I just... And maybe part of it also, for whatever reason, my... The stigma was like, oh, yeah, it's not a good one. for. I don't know why I, I associated it that way because yeah. it was a really fun movie.
0: Oh, it's so entertaining. Um, And it has... It's got a lot going for it, so I think, um, I mean, do you want to talk about any other things, like initial, I mean, are we going to do spoilers? I guess that's, like, I, a weird thing, way to think about it, I, right? You know,
1: we didn't really put up any flags for GoldenEye, but, like, you know, we're talking about movies that are, you know. They're old. old. And so, I mean, I guess there are some people that wouldn't have seen them, and there are certain ones that I hadn't haven't seen that it's going to be new, but... Um, I just use your own discretion. If you're going to listen to this podcast, we're going full into everything. Um, yeah, maybe it's the, not gonna the, be the fucking um, Daniel Craig ones, we can be a little bit more sensitive on cause they're newer, but I guess. Ugh.
0: Ugh. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, so I, uh, okay. So let's break into it. Um, the opening of this is a great opening. Um, I think it has some really epic, it's got epicness to it and it mm-hmm. also feels, Um, very much inspired by like those procedural shows and other kinds of high end action that was out in the nineties and, you know, and late eighties, Lethal Weapon, Die Hard, these kind of movies, Mission Impossible, where they were kind of, you know, blowing up on the larger, uh, infrastructure behind these kinds of things so to kind of see a bond opening where like the stakes are incredibly fucking high from the very beginning bond is deep in enemy territory in the soviet you know ex-soviet place where they're trading arms there's nuclear weapons um and the for whatever reason the stupid uh military decided to bomb it before they could get bond out of there which was crazy and it really it really feels kind of like 24 or or some one of these other kinds of shows uh but Right from the get-go, the tension is so fucking high.
1: Yeah, and I think the really cool thing that they did... Actually, in both this one and Goldeneye... They they hold it back a little bit... Before you have the reveal that it's Bond, right? They, they, they're like, oh... Uh, the white knight and there's an agent there giving us information we never see him we don't see him for the first few minutes and then eventually you get the reveal that it's him because like of course it's him but like i just love that little subtlety of like oh who's this person that's on the inside like it's kind of a nice nod to the audience that like you know they know that we know it's him but that they can hold it back just a little longer
0: I think one of the cool parts about um, modern Bond is like, and I think this movie kind of does it really well. Is is it does bring it does bring Bond forward? Like it kind of it, like when you watch Goldeneye, and it's very and it's a very different movie. But when you're watching Goldeneye, it's very much dealing with the aftermath of the fall of the Soviet Union. Like this is now a modern Bond dealing with a post Soviet world, where you know we are kind of the beginning of the movie, like you see, like because of the fall of the USSR, they're leaking, you know, nuclear weapons all over the place. But really the plot of this movie is much more current and really relevant. Like this movie holds up really well. It does. It's,
1: you know, it's based on like the idea of media controlling, you know, the story and, and uh, having media influence. Fake news
0: before fake news. Yeah.
1: Which is crazy. Um, And like, Also, like, I think this movie, I think Bond always has like some forefront technology in it. And that, you know, I mean, obviously, even stuff like in the 60s in not just Bond, but like Star Trek and whatever would have ideas. But
0: like, this movie has like FaceTime. (laughs) Like, this totally has FaceTime, sure. (laughs) Sure. So it's crazy. Yeah, so, uh, okay, so I love the opening, you know, Bond ultimately uh, commandeers one of the jets to fly the uh, nuclear missile out of the trajectory of this bomb so that it doesn't blow up and go crazy. Uh, he ends up doing this, and in one of the most spectacular action scenes uh, that they shot, mostly for real, I saw on the uh, special features, um, they shoot the ejector seat from one jet into <laughs> the second gunner seat of another jet. And it's just fabulous stunt and it's it's a perfect mix of, uh, you know, pretty early CGI and, you know, some model making and also some actual flying. Like that's, what's great about kind of this moment in bond is that they were really firing on all cylinders for what they were doing with the effects and what they could do practically and how you were mixing things as opposed to just completely replacing things, which I think we're going to see a lot of in die another day. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Um, That's I mean those kinds of moments in it just make me like, like gleefully giggle. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Over the top, ridiculous. But it's such a cool thing to see. It's like, okay, yeah, he's he's gonna do that. Okay, eject right into the other plane. uh, It was great. So good. Um, You know, and then and then we get into another uh, Bond opening. Uh, sequence like another you know they're all very sexy and this one is got the heavy cgi stuff with uh, the computers because they're leaning into that direction um and and probably another mediocre bond song
0: yeah this one with cheryl craig is not a great entry um i think it's got some stuff going for it in that it does um it does play like an old old timey rock song, um, but I don't think it. It just doesn't feel um, epic. It just kind of feels kind of like de- like se- sexy and seductive. So. I like it. It doesn't feature hugely throughout the rest of the film no. um, as some of the other like themes will kind of come back in different ways. This is doesn't really. different at yeah. the
1: end? There's like a different version or is it the same version? It seems a I little... don't. I don't remember. I, I remember when the, the end credits was coming on and they, they played it again. I was like, it feels different. It feel, at least I like, maybe I liked it better at the end than I did at the beginning. Also, it could just be that the song is fine, but Sheryl Crow wasn't the right fit.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, she's, you know, she's Cheryl Crow. She's great. I mean, but I, I don't know. It was okay. So let's enough shitting on Cheryl Crow. Uh, let's get into let's get into the plot. So um, ultimately, I think this movie has a more um, direct plot than GoldenEye does. And I like it. Th- I like it. it. I think it helps make it, m- the movie moves with a, a much more elegant and streamlined like functionality to it. And like even though there's a twist and like I do like a twist every once in a while I feel like the twist in the last movie while it is it's fun maybe the first time once you like know what's going on like it's not really that you know on the rewatch I don't think it's like that super crazy Mm -hmm. this coming back to it I liked the simplicity of it I liked kind of the relevance that it had today and I thought if it um, felt believable Uh, what about you
1: yeah, um, it is a lot more straightforward. You know, they, they, they tease it out a little bit. Like, we don't for sure, sure know right away that Elliot Carver is – Carver, right? Uh, is, like, pulling the strings and then, like, within, like, the next scene we know that, like, the, he's controlling everything. And so, like, that's great to get the bad guy off from the, the start and you know who you're following. You know, like, his general idea of, of his mission – um, yeah, it's a lot more straightforward. I think um, I th- to me uh, it is very relevant the the idea of the fake news stuff, but it, it is maybe just a little bit um, less exciting than something as uh, as inter- intricate as something in Goldeneye and maybe some of the more recent uh, Daniel Craig. Oh, ones. sure. But like, okay, it, it's straightforward. Like, and so that 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 is good, and it, it makes it kind of easy to follow and enjoyable to watch.
0: I feel you. Um, and I, I get that, like, even though it's like simpler and it, and it like, it doesn't, um, the Craig stuff I think is, is different. The Craig, yeah, yeah. You know, once you get to um, Casino Royale and uh, this is interesting the, the same guy who directed Goldeneye also directed Casino Royale. He launched two different Bonds. Isn't that wow, crazy? That is crazy. Um, so this guy, the director of this movie, was going to direct a movie with Dalton, but ended up not. And, like, directed a couple of music videos. And then he, when he went to do this one, this is his, like, only entry into Bond hmm. as a director of this guy. Um... So I think also some of the stuff I had read on Wikipedia was that they wanted to do more of the classic Bond stuff in this movie. So they wanted to have more stuff with the car. They wanted more gadgets, um, you know, and something I really love and I think still holds up is the fucking music in this movie is perfect. It's a great integration of the theme with like the classic style that they used to do with the regular instrumentation. And then, like, very, like, still relevant electro. Like, it's not overhyped. It's not timed, uh, mm-hmm. dated. Um, I, I really liked it. So, yeah, it's I, a little ca-
1: jazzier, too. Um, yeah. Which is, is more, has a, more of a timeless feel to it. Um, you know, going back throughout the franchise. I agree. I think the movie, they, they went in the correct direction here um, to fix for some of the things that we didn't like, at least in the last one. Um, and yeah, it, it the, the whole film has more gadgets um, more classic bond things than maybe than the last one um, and and if, I think just the the film overall has a little bit more of a timeless quality like you could probably guess that it was from the 90s especially knowing that it was that it was Pierce Rosden but like it it stands alone a little bit better I think
0: yeah it does um okay so let's talk about the plot so the plot here is that there's. Like, this is the whole overarching plot. This crazy media guy uh, has this cool stealth boat that he stole from the Chinese government. Ultimately, he's using this boat and early American GPS technology to confuse um, the Chinese and British into thinking that they're in each other's waters. In doing so, he sinks a British ship at the beginning of the movie when they sink this ship they steal a nuclear missile and his plan is to increasingly um build tension through his media outlets around this kind of uh exploded um ship uh to then propel you know the world into world war three and giving this guy rights to broadcast in china which he currently does not have right and this guy is played by john price and he's fucking awesome. He's delicious. Uh, <laughs>
1: delicious. <laughs> he, I mean, we know him from uh, as the High Sparrow, pretty recently yeah. from Game of Thrones. Um, you know, this is this is him uh, really just mustache twirling throughout the entire movie, and just like
0: oh, he's so good at it.
1: <laughs> and uh, you know, he has uh, his wife, Paris. Uh, right who played oh, by my Terry God. Hatcher, who has a history with James Bond, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know, they, they have this weird relationship. It seems like you know, she's just there for like maybe that they were in love at one point, but like not so much anymore. Um, but yeah, and he's got these all these cronies, like uh, the, the crazy guy with the blonde hair that's kind of like your new jaws. Um, and Stanford. Then, yeah and then the german uh, model guy then his like tech guy uh uh what is his name it was like uh, i can't remember but the the tech guy that had the other mcguffin device
0: the little red box thing right the uh yeah the gps yeah okay so here's some stuff that i got from watching the special features and the mm. deleted scenes All right, so his buddy Gupta, who is essentially Birnbaum in 40 years, right, (laughs) is a eco-terrorist who (laughs) has, like, uh, really great IT specialties. But the director really wanted to hire this guy whose name is – I think his name is Ricky J or something. He's actually a musician, Mm. and he's a card thrower, right? So he can, like, slice melons with, like, playing cards and shit. And there's the whole deleted arc – where you see him like tossing cards in the beginning and like he shatters his computer screen. But then in the big scene where uh, Bond takes uh, Malin and uh, not Bond, where Jonathan, the bad guy Carver takes um, Malin and Bond into his lair. There's a extended fight sequence where this guy throws uh, like fucking playing cards at a henchman. (laughs) That's straight out of Austin Powers. (laughs) (laughs) it's (laughs) It's, like, gambit. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous um but i thought that that was really funny and like he was like i really wanted to bring in like a, like a magic guy like into bond like that hadn't been done before i thought that would be cool like that's how he says it
1: yeah and then they saw the trailer for austin powers and they're like nope
0: <laughs> nope we cannot do this silly shit you motherfucker <laughs> so oh um so yeah the uh I like um how uh relevant the the plot is. So ultimately Carver, you first time you really have your meeting greet with him is uh he he's meeting with his people, they're talking about this evil shit. And uh you know that they're, you know there's a hair, air uh, airplane down. There's these people who are freaking out about this, you know, and he's like, "Oh, this is all great." And then you bring in James Bond and M for a pretty a pretty decent you know scene that um kind of continues on the relationship that they have you also have money penny who's now cut her hair um and looks very 90s mom like she really went from in in this movie i think for a little while money penny went to like less of a sexual harassment icon and more of a sisterly less of a love interest kind of person where she's more like a single lady who's empowered and bonds not like Like at least he's not like jamming his dick down her throat this
1: time. Yeah, but also she still has some really, really innuendo jokes that like. Right. It's like, oh my god, I can't believe they just said that. But. Right. um, Yeah. So, and I'd like to join join me in the continuity corner. Um,
0: Okay, I'll join you in the continuity (laughs) corner. (laughs) Yes.
1: I think it's kind of interesting that um, we have. I mean, we Bond will always have some players that continue on, right? Like, we we had Q, Q that's still there, and M, sure. and Moneypenny, that they're all the same um, actor. Um, and so, like, Bond never really refers to, like, a prior movie all that much. Um, but you do feel like this is still, like, just a couple years later in the, in the journey that we just saw in GoldenEye. Uh, sure, But, like, again, no reference to, like, the offense of, like, the 60s or anything like that. So, um, right. I like the loose connections, and then they also introduce uh, Paris as, like, oh, his history with her. But that's really it in terms of um, keeping everything together. And, you know, the, the one thing that is always really funny to me about James Bond is how, like, he has this beautiful woman that he falls in love with in every film, and then, like... Day one of the next one, she's just gone and never mentioned again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but that, but right. But we'll see how they try to retcon that, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. so, you know, they're like, oh, so, you know, this is a, why, gee, this model really works really great. What if we didn't do that? Well, let's see what happens, you know? Right. So I I think there's a double-edged sword to it. Like, of course, like, we all wonder what happened to, you know, um, Pussy Galore, but at the end of the day, once you're into the next movie, like it's almost like, all right, you know, you know, is there a whole, is there a sinister six, you know, of you know, Bond women out there that are gonna come out and come get him in one movie? That would be I, awesome. Yeah, why not do that? You why know, not? They just they listen to us. Um, okay, but that could be what they're doing in this next movie, and that's why they brought in that Phoebe Waller Bridge lady. Mm. I can see that. Mm. Um, okay. Okay. Um, so. One of the things, um, you know, before we, you know, kind of dive into the bond women here, I do want to talk about, you know, that th- there are kind of like a couple in this. So you have um, uh, Terry Hatcher playing Paris, and then you also have uh, Melissa Yo, Michelle Yo, Michelle Yo play, you know, Maylin. Uh, you know, yeah. Um, and they're like so diametrically uh, apart. But they do kind of play like both roles, you know what I mean? And that is really what I think sets this movie kind of in a different direction for Bond in that they really do give this female character a lot of advocacy oh, and Mei yeah. She's fucking badass.
1: She's badass. And, I mean, so uh, Michelle Yeoh from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. So, like, she's... And
0: also a really famous, like, you know, Chinese, like, you know, uh, superstar. She's right. She's huge.
1: Right. And so she is definitely able to do a lot of the physical action um which you know sets her apart from a lot of the the way that they had done it in the past and this is definitely a huge step forward um i think it is cool that they had two women that he was kind of tied to in this movie and ultimately like you know paris doesn't make it out of like the first half um so like yeah, she's great and I want to apologize. I for some reason my memory again, I didn't remember the movie at all. For whatever reason I thought it was Lucy Liu. She's not in this movie at all. It's no, definitely she's Michelle Yeoh and I feel bad for 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 going through that last week. Um but she's awesome. Um I also love her on Star Trek Discovery lately, so it's kind of funny to like go back and see her like at this time in her life um kicking yeah. ass with James Bond. Um So, but yeah, so the plot with uh, Bond is going to this big media event uh, that Carver is putting on, like the launch of his corporation and his media news network, CNN, Evil Empire. Um, And uh, he kind of gets involved inadvertently and he (laughs) ends up getting, uh, they they figure out who he is and they, they put him in, you know, holding, of course, like classic James Bond villain, like. Should we kill him? No. Let's put him in a compromising situation that he'll easily escape (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, And so he does, and he he pulls out the the plug on on the satellite broadcast, and it makes Carver look bad. And so uh, from then on out, Carver has it for Bond.
0: Oh, yeah. And it's such an easy, like... Well, so I think in the beginning, like, they wanted to do kind of two things, right? You want Carver to kind of feel like Murdoch but look and sound like Jobs. Yes. And it's kind of it's kinda of like an interesting um duality because Jobs really wasn't in media and Murdoch really didn't know the tech, right? So like mm-hmm. kind of combining them into this one mega supervillain I think works really well because you kind of get to play off of the aspects of both, right? Yeah. Um but I think Carver makes like a lot of dumb mistakes. And like that is something that like it allows for the movie to be very fun but it's also like he's so stupid why do that like you know <laughs> he knows this guy is a he should have you know as a big super giant nerd he should know bond is definitely not just a banker and well and
1: it, then and his guy Gupta, is like oh yeah i looked at him and you know this smells like government agent it's too perfect right
0: right and he they know after the fact yeah. um Okay, so Terry Hatcher has gone on to say she didn't like doing this, but I think she's having a great time. This is also at, like, her peak sexiness. So this right. is after the implant. She is currently Lois Lane, and she's, like, before – she's three months pregnant into this, so her tits are even bigger in this movie. <laughs> um, like, dude, she's super fire. Like, for while she's alive, spoiler alert, she's super hot in this movie. Yeah. Um, okay, so she's great, and, you know, we see Maylin for the first time. He beats these guys, but I like the way that James Bond beats him. You could see that he's um, you know, he's taken out all four dudes with everything that he possibly has. You know, this is before James Bond really was getting beat up like you see him do in Casino Royale. Oh yeah. Yeah, um, I mean
1: he he has like he uses gadgets, he uses the the, the world around him. Because like he the thing is, James Bond in in this iteration knows that he's not as strong as the big guy with the blonde hair. Like he knows that right. he's got to be crafty and come up with, uh, other ways to take him out.
0: Totally. Um, so there's a few set pieces in this movie that we're going to talk about here. Um, so, uh, before we do that, we got to talk about Q. Um, and this scene I think is one of my favorite Q scenes. It's total product placement. And I'm sure that it was in commercials. We don't remember, but probably it's so great. It's so funny. Um, and it's such a good gag. Uh he so pretty much James Bond lands, you know, I think he's in uh Germany is where he lands, right? Mm, yeah. And he and that's why we get a BMW. So he goes to Germany, he goes to Germany, goes to the uh rental car desk and who shows up but our favorite red vested friend? <laughs> Desmond <laughs> Lewin. Yeah. Uh and they do a great comedy bit. Uh which I think is is like it's so good and uh, definitely feels um natural then I saw in the deleted scenes there's there's a great bit that they took out of the movie the, as so remember when they're walking and like there's crates open like the the crate opens and there's the car yes so before the crate opened they had a gag where they open the first crate and it opens up and it's a live like jaguar and oh it, and like Pons, like you got me a Jaguar. <laughs> and well, he's like, the
1: Jaguar is in the movie. Oh, totally. It's like it's off to the side when he's looking at the car, and it's in a crate. You can see it, but uh, yeah, it's like it's why is up there? <laughs> right.
0: So, uh, so this car, I-, I love it. It's one of my favorites. Uh, Seven fifty IL BMW. It's fucking. It's not super showy kind no. of like the Aston Martins which I thought were always interesting like so this car looks very much like a regular commuter car but it's it's fully fucking loaded and it's got the first like remote drive feature uh, that we see in a in a Bond movie used to real great success
1: and I I love the bit where like he was trying to to pull it out and it's he's like he can't really drive it and it's like oh well, I you know it just needs the right touch and like bond yeah, exactly. like, knows what to do immediately and like, makes it look awesome. Such a really Super cool uh, set piece. And then, uh, yeah, get some other neat little gadgets, like, with that with his phone, which, again, product placement. Um, yeah, like, Sony at that time. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, some cool little tools there. It's, like, a, a, a taser thing and a fingerprint scanner and all these things. Oh, um, the
0: phone does a lot of really cool shit in this movie. Yeah. And it was the first. It's one of the first like smartphones, really, that you've ever seen. You know, like it totally had the flip up thing. It had a trackpad. It Mm -hmm. had a a, a screen you could make out an image on. Um, The taser function I thought was very cool. Um, Yeah, I really I think they stepped up the gadgets in a nice way. Um, Okay, so uh, the so the first action set piece we got to talk about is their So they take this awesome cool car and they lock it in a parking garage and now James Bond has to escape oh in my one of the God. best it's so great <laughs> uh, it's so good it's it's lo- it's uh, a couple minutes long it's i think it's like 6 or 7 minutes but it, it's so fun so funny and you get to see all the fucking gadgets in use he beats the shit out of this car um, he jumps out at the last minute. The he drives the car into, a, off the parking garage roof into an Avis. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, so good! It's so good.
1: Um, like so, I mean, he's got the the GPS thing in the car, which is what they're after. He like just stole it from from Carver. Um, and so you can tell that they're not trying to like completely destroy the the car because they want that item um right. but there's like this great moment where like a guy shoots a uh, like a bazooka at the car and it goes through the front windshield and out the back
0: <laughs> dude it's, it's so like, awesome it's so it's, great
1: it's so good it's like okay uh yeah and, and i love when he dives into it um as it, he's first controlling it and he, he dives in like to get away um that was a great moment too it's just just like all around really cool um i love the the tires reinflating after going over the spikes um but yeah they really leaned into it this time because yeah the last movie didn't do as much with it
0: i they do a lot of cool they do a lot of fun stuff um so when they uh so they leave this place and i think we go to is it do they go to hong kong or or where do they go in china
1: well, I I don't know if it's there. I think no, it's that's it's actually they, Vietnam, right? Well, before that, they they go back to the hotel room, and that's where he finds Paris. And there's this like yeah, other guy that's like, I'm a you know fixer, basically. I can make like I have a doctorate in forensics, and I can make it look like you killed yourself or whatever. And so this is again where like Carver is starting to manipulate things. He's like making this newsreel that sounds like Bond and and Paris died together and, um, that guy was kind of weird. Uh, and like also the mentor of, <laughs> um, what's the guy's name with the blonde hair? S- Stanford. Stanford. Like he's like, he was my mentor. It's like, really? Okay. Um, so that was interesting. And then, yeah, I think they, they end up going to Vietnam, um, which yeah, that, that's kind of a, a cool place for a Bond movie to go to, um, in the nineties.
0: Oh, for sure. And not after one of the greatest, I mean, talk about intense stunt work here. They do a halo jump, a high uh, <sighs> its like high altitude, low opening. So you jump super-duper high in the air because you have to go over the, the uh, radar. Then you can't open your parachute too high, or they will see you on their radar. You have to open it super low. And they it's all practical. Like it's so fucking awesome. And they got real dudes to really do it. Uh, and that is like something I really liked about the special features on the disc is that you see all the stunt dudes. They show you, they show you the secondary directors who are planning the shots and like all the little models that they make to show you how the different scenes are going to unfold. Like, that's like the real, like the real awesome shit. And like, those dudes are great. So, uh, I, that the jump that they do is he goes into the uh the, the ship that's underwater uh you know they see that they've stolen one of the missiles comes back up gets grabbed um and now they are in Vietnam and it leads to a like really amazing I mean this is the best sequence of the whole movie the motorcycle chase yeah if there was fucking... one thing
1: I remembered it was this although it could also be just similar to another like Casino Royale, not Casino or Daniel Craig chase, but it that felt familiar to me. But it's awesome. They're handcuffed together still, and they're like,
0: oh my god, it's so fun. And like they, it it feels a little. So here's something that like, on the James Bond scale, like he's not a superhero, right? Right. So like he, there's certain things he can't do, but there's like a scale of like goofy shit he can kind of get away with. <laughs> and like, and I think if you were to like stop this movie in the middle of the scene you're, like, at, like, you know, kung fu legitimacy. You know what I mean? Like, the rules of kung fu movies (laughs) of wire fighting and jumping are kind of where we're falling on this scale. It'll be interesting to see in other movies where (laughs) the the goofiness, you know, goes awry and where it doesn't, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And this is, like, so they're, like, flipping over each other as they're handcuffed to each other. At one point, she's behind him operating the other handle, which for a motorcycle, I can't even imagine because you have to clutch with different hands in order to yep. shift gears to drive forward. That's fucking crazy. Uh, well, one of the things that they do show you in the special features is that this is not... A lot of the bike work that you see is not real because that kind of a bike isn't built for these kinds of stunts. Sure. So they are, being, they are in a trailer, like kind of being moved around a lot, kind of like... A, um, you know, uh, carpool karaoke, but it's not as, um, to me, like the, the kind of cool shit that they're doing is how they're hiding it and how it looks so awesome, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they do get away with a lot. So I, you know, they're like, it's not a stunt bike. You know, this is kind of what we did. They had different bikes, uh, but it was, you know, whatever. Um, and then that you get to the best fight scene in the whole movie, which is where, uh, they've escaped. Um, Malin has escaped from bond and she goes into her hide, her hideout. Probably I would have guessed. Yep. And she's followed by all these dudes and she just kicks the crap out of them. And it's epic. <laughs> it's epic. She's doing flips off the fucking wood and she's really kicking ass. Uh, I, I, it was so cool, and and like when you watch the movie, they s- described like they had seen her, and they, they were like, "Listen, do you want to be in a Bond movie?" And she's like, "Fuck yeah, I want to be in a Bond movie." Yeah. And it, she and Pierce like really pushed to do a lot of the stunts, as many as they could themselves. So, That's like, awesome. It's so it, she's like so much. It's it's a bummer that she didn't get to do more stuff. You know, like I guess she's in Discovery now, but she could she could have been a huge superstar, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, like it's kind of a little, it's kind of a little sad for her. Pull, well, and that's the, that's, that's a problem
1: when you do a Bond movie, you're, you're pretty, as a, a female, you're pretty much one and done.
0: Um, right. You're not, they're not going to bring you back.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of, I mean, they've kind of stopped that a little bit with uh, the Daniel Craig's. They have some characters that kind of continue on, but um, yeah, it would have been awesome to see like a spinoff movie. Like, or something like that. The Bond movies are the franchise is so, like, focused on keeping status quo in a lot of ways that they're afraid to take do, chances, take chances. Um, I mean, she could have just showed up in another one. That would have been great. Um, but, yeah, you, you you get to this. He <laughs> Bond shows up in her hideout and like, I think, you yeah, he doesn't kill the last guy, does he or is he whatever he does? He takes uh, takes him out from Behind, and she was like, Oh, I had him. It's like, Oh, did you?
0: <laughs> classic, <laughs> classic. Um,
1: and this, like, this hideout turns into like a full on bunker. It's
0: oh, it's, it's totally sweet. Uh, she's got all the guns, everything you would want. She's got a computer there figuring it out. And what I like about this movie is you feel the plot is moving along when they're hanging out. Like, you don't have to sit and stop and stare at the water on the beach for 10 minutes, like, yeah. Like this movie fucking rocks like they're, you know, all right, we got to go here. Let's go here. They go to the Kowloon Bay and then they're like, all right, we got to pay this guy this amount of money. All right, perfect. And they go and then they're just you're just on for the final adventure of the movie where I think the last where I think in GoldenEye, when you get to this point, you get you're after the big set piece and we're about to go into the third act. It The movie just grinds to a fucking halt. Mm. Uh, and this movie doesn't, and it really just feels... it. The action in this movie is is excellent. And- I,
1: it makes me wonder, because because part of the reason why GoldenEye grinds to a halt is because of the romantic plot, and I think that we're going to see that a lot in the earlier ones. Um, sure. And so I wonder if, because they didn't lean into a romance between Bond and Mei Lin, like as significantly, because you had... Harris as, as part of that in the first half Motivation, of the movie. Right. So like, I, I think that gives them more freedom to move forward with the action, but it also makes me wonder if they were afraid to really lean into a, uh, interracial couple kind of thing.
0: Point taken. But I think what it ultimately does and serves the story better is when they are actually together, it's because of a mutual respect yeah. of their capabilities and like going through the hardship as opposed to um, like the hardships of this battle they're about to go into as opposed to like oh you're just a sexy bond and you know I'm just some crazy lady like right. you know like it's more of an earned respect and and kind of like the kiss at the end of Rise of Skywalker which I guess we're going to have to talk about again in a couple of weeks yeah. like like you know it's it's kind it uh, I don't feel – I feel there's more earnestness in the way that, like, the ending of this movie is Mm -hmm. than, uh, you know, if at this point in the movie, like, she's coming on to Bond and Bond says no. Like, that would be a weird scene, right? Sure, sure. Or, or, like, maybe – like they, you know, bond comes on to her and we see them like sleep together before their big fight. Like that's awkward because how are they preparing to go into battle? If they're both these battle hardened people, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And
1: I do also love that. Uh, she's like, I work alone and he's kind of like wants to help her work together. And, yeah. And, and, and wants to work together. And it, it, that's kind of a, a cool vibe, um, that we hadn't really seen. Um, but yeah. Okay. So final act, um, they they have to go to the the ship, right?
0: Oh, it's great. So okay, so um, this ba- the battle the nautical battle scenes of the ships, right? They look so real. They're not. They're in models, and they hmm. were all filmed in the same tank they were shooting Titanic in, like weeks before. Whoa! So it's the biggest tank that James Cameron ever built. That's why these shots really work. Hmm. Um, so they're mostly models, um, and they. I just think it works so well. It's it's a little dark. That's one of my main criticisms with the whole movie in general is that it does kind of have one color palette and it doesn't really pop ever. Everything looks kind of shiny, silvery gray. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, like, even the last scenes, like, it's pretty the, – the, it's a little bit darker. The shadows and the lighting, like, aren't played for um, art as much as they are, in Goldeneye, like – there's a certain scene when bond comes down the steps, uh, in the beginning of GoldenEye, and you see his eyes like through the little shadows as he's going in to meet uh double Oh six. That's a really great, like lit awesome shot, like shout out to the, the Struckman podcast that I listened to that like opened me up to the differences in the way the movies look. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once you kind of get to the scene, at least on Netflix, uh, the, the ship that they're trying to get on, is legitimately interesting like it's cool looking they have a plan it doesn't work out the way that it's supposed to go um but it, it the the ship is cool like i like his little hideaway ship it's very similar to what i guess they used in gold member but uh <laughs> it's awesome like and they uh you know they are getting it and um uh, they're driving it around. It's kind of on a hydroplane. I guess you never see that. They have this cool like underneath uh, area where you can dock and send things away, like the yeah. cool drill or where they're gonna launch this missile.
1: It, it's actually, I mean, at least from the inside, it seems like <laughs> a lot bigger on the inside than the outside. Sure, but, that's that's true. Um, it seems like this huge epic, like like aircraft carrier kind of thing almost. And then it's like on the outside, it's like, well, it doesn't look that big. especially if it's put up against like one of the other ships that it took down, like in the beginning of the movie, it's like, it's small compared to that. So how does it look so big on the inside? I don't know, but.
0: All right. So here's like the main plot just to like catch everybody up. So at this point they're going to blow, they have to make a small explosion on the ship in order for the ship to get picked up by, British and Chinese radar so they can stop World War III because uh, Carver's plan is to launch a nuclear missile off of his stealth boat, acting like it's a regular British boat, into mainland China, blowing up Beijing. And then a little bit more of his plot that he's twisting is that he wants to negotiate with Mei Lin directly and kind of use her as an entree into the Chinese people with his media company, Mm -hmm. which... Is interesting, a little bit of a twist at the end, but not too crazy. Not t- it's fine, it's okay, it's passable. Uh okay. So they get on the ship, they're setting up the mines. Uh, you know, they get they get caught, which is a little bit of a bummer, but all right. Happens uh, all the time. Happens all the time in a Bond movie. You get to see that Stanford is like super duper evil. He shoots uh his best friend Gupta in the fucking face, which was uh, no, in the chest. In the chest. L- more dignified. Uh and then um, you know, we do have a ticking clock, which I asked for in the last movie. There you go. Which is, you know, like uh, you want to see the time counting down. You want to see t minus till self destruction. You know, you need that to energize the the um, the angle. And then you have the little boiler room scene, which is also great, really fun, great action with uh, Michelle Yeoh, uh, really kicking ass, and uh, uh, with the fog and. Um, you know, kind of punching her way through that bond then gets to go with one of these big missile thingies and starts blowing people up. Also very effective. I loved Uh, his little,
1: uh, makeshift grenade in the jar with the remote detonation that he's like, Oh, I have a plan too. And then like, he uses that as a distraction to like, to set things off. That was great. Um, it was fun. Yeah. Um,
0: so go ahead.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I really—you were talking about the missile. I, I think that was a really cool um, set piece where they are, like he—they're—they're they're fighting in such close quarters and uh, trying to get the upper hand on each other and using everything around them. And like Stanford gets his foot stuck, and you know he gets stabbed a couple of times, but he's like doesn't really affect him. That's all great. Um, but that's sort of at the end. I, I don't want to skip ahead too much because um really they they take care of Carver before they stop the plot. Um you know Oh so, my god. So and that's kind of an interesting way to go about it. Like uh you know sometimes you stop the bad guy then you kill the bad guy. Here it's like you kill the bad guy, if we don't succeed he could still uh you know Do blow some up. shit. Yeah, exactly. Posthumously. Posthumously.
0: Posthumously <laughs> posthumously <laughs> posthumously <laughs> okay so posthumously he could do some real fucked up shit anyway uh, they kill him with that cool drill from the beginning of the movie Um, it's a great little death scene oh yeah this has some great bond quips he's quipping the whole time totally he's, he's quipping the whole fucking gamut of the movie <laughs> Um, you know, and, you and sometimes it's a little over the not.
1: top, but it, you know, I, yeah. it's good. It, I like, yeah. It.
0: And then I liked the, his little struggle. So, all right. They ultimately they're able to, um, what I didn't understand was like, so they, there's still an explosion on the thing. So like, did they blow up the, you know, the propulsion system of the bomb and then the nuclear one wouldn't go off because it's not, In the trajectory or was that like the explosion that they were going to set off like what was that exactly i didn't understand um
1: i i don't know um
0: right because presumably you have to go get this nuclear weapon that's at the bottom of the water bonds hanging out on the fucking top of a (laughs) door with fucking rose again
1: right (laughs) Um, and i love love that bit it's like oh uh they're looking for us like oh let's stay undercover for a little longer
0: Like, it's so perfect. It really is. And you're like, oh, that's great. Another great Bond movie. Roll credits. Thank you very much. I got my money's worth. And that's what I feel. It's yes. like, this is a movie where if you want to see James Bond do all the James Bond things, pop in Tomorrow Never Dies because you got it all. Yes. One of the things I'm hoping that uh, we see like further down the line is that th- there are plots as rewatchable as this because this is still relevant. And I think... Uh, gives an, a cool uh, insight into the world that we live in that, like, really the science fiction plots that they had been talking about 20 years ago came the fuck true.
1: hmm Yeah, no, this this one is definitely really relevant. Um, I, I, I don't know. It, it makes me wonder. I'm like, why was my perception of it, like, soured? I don't remember what it was. Maybe it's just the fact that it's not Goldeneye, and Goldeneye was this big... Like, it was the first one, and everyone it had the game tied to it, and, like, maybe the the video game adaptation of Tomorrow Never Dies sucks or something, that I could well, believe. Well, it didn't,
0: it didn't come out on N64. It was only released on PlayStation 2. Aha! That was what Sony was pushing at the time. So, you know, I do think that this film is not as well remembered because the game um, is not synonymous with it. It's that's totally part of it. I also think... Um, uh, one of the things people like about Goldeneye is it's their birth of their bond, and right. whether or not you saw the other movies, this is still, you know, it's still Pierce Brosnan's first, you know, um, you know, dance. So people always remember your first dance. And I, I think he he
1: really like grows into the role here. Um, I
0: completely agree.
1: I think um, maybe there was some awkward moments in the first one or. You're still trying to believe that he is this like suave, but also kind of cheeky, but kind of still badass agent. Um, and here, it's way more believable. I, you know, I'm on board. I've seen him do everything, and um, you know, the the opening of this movie alone, like you're you're there.
0: You're there, and you've and you're uh, you're rooting for him. Yep. You know, like that's something that I think is harder with the Craig movies, in that you. I think you more like empathize with him. You know what I mean? Like you see him get hit in the ball so many times and you're like, Oh my God, that would be so painful. And then you see him lose his girl and you're like, Oh my God, that would suck so much. And like, we are ultimately led to believe that if you want to be bond, you have to deal with those kind of repercussions that affect a human, like regardless of the, you know, the caricature of character that James Bond is in some of these movies. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it's an it's an interesting point because you know how much how much goofiness do you want you know and i and i think that's what is uh i'm excited to see and like makes it makes it fun to want to watch more because where did he go off the rails like i've never seen uh die another day and in just seeing the few clips and other things that i've seen like whoa some of the cgi doesn't look very good but i don't know if if that's going to be it so like i'm curious to see where in the world is not enough. Shit really went wrong. <laughs> um, if so, and- I mean, I, I mean, it makes. We'll get there, but I, maybe part
1: of it is that like you start. I, I think you said it last time that he was supposed to be Bond in the '80s, and then ends up being Bond in the '90s, and so like by the time 2002 rolls around, he's probably done. Like he may not really. Maybe that's part of it, but and they put them out pretty quickly in succession so like they did
0: they move these movies like this was definitely a different kind of a pacing for the Bond franchise had seen in a long time right you know where you get kind of goldeneye uh, tomorrow never dies and uh um, well does not... World is not enough every 2 years yep like that's nuts um uh, maybe it was just a contract I-, I don't know i mean maybe maybe that's true too you know uh but, okay, so I've been... I totally enjoyed this movie. Of the Bonds, I think uh, it's definitely it's definitely not a favorite. I don't know if it's like... It has some classic moments, and it's definitely interesting. I don't think it's better than Goldeneye and all the things that Goldeneye is as a film, as a movie. Yeah. But I definitely... I enjoyed this way more watching it again, and maybe that's because we're doing this project or whatever. But I think... Um, I would definitely say that this is a good movie and you should watch it. And uh, it's definitely going to be a good movie to introduce people to Bond, I think, you know, like even though you have a lot of introductions in GoldenEye, you kind of have to know who M is to get what they're talking about and why it's different. Mm -hmm. Although you're meeting Bond for the first time, you know, you, you don't kind of get all the, the fun, like, this is a full meal of Bond. I think right. golden eye is kind of a cocktail hour.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's a really good point. Like, and and the, the great thing about Bond is that you don't really have to watch them in order. So if, if someone's oh, no. like never seen anything, it's like, well, yeah, this is a, a great one to just pop in. You get it. It's relevant. And you, you understand all the, the, the nidbits and tidbits of what a Bond movie is. And then, you can go and watch Goldeneye and, and really understand like where they were coming from when they first launched with Pierce Brosnan.
0: Totally. Um, so I think we've kind of wrapped up everything we could say on this. Frank, do you have any other points you'd like to make or strike or strike from the record? No,
1: I, I think we pretty much covered it all. Um, yeah, it, it, it definitely surprised me. Um, I, like, again, I think the, the, the relevant plot helped uh, maybe dumb it down or at least like keep it uh, moving forward. And um, but yeah, I don't know something about it, like maybe at the, the onset and being like, oh, man, this is basically like a Steve Jobs villain. Like, I don't remember this at all. And so a little bit of it I was like a oh, eye roll, but it, it works. And um, so, you know, I, I know we don't score things, but I think it could be fun towards the end of this to maybe rank them. Um, We're
0: going to have to do some kind of ranking, you know, like at uh, least within
1: each, you know. Yeah. We have to come
0: up with some categories. You know, I think that there's, you know, there's a few things everyone looks for. So why don't you tell us what you think is a relevant category? And we'll start before we get too far deep into it. um, Ranking and making sure we're keeping score here because we don't want to get all confused. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We
1: also don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We're trying to keep up uh, watching the movies, recording episodes and and not uh blur the lines between them. like oh wait was that in world Enough or was that in tomorrow never dies <laughs> yeah so um but yeah no, this has been fun so far and i'm looking forward to continuing on
0: the only thing i will say to wrap it up like uh tomorrow never dies like how is that what's that have to do with the plot at all
1: well so tomorrow never dies his his paper is called tomorrow carver's paper
0: oh right and that yeah. yeah that
1: was like i'm like oh really
0: <laughs> okay so okay
1: it yeah at least like oh, in Goldeneye, oh, eye yeah. it's like the device but tomorrow is it, i guess the idea that um he's controlling the, the the media and so he can he can forever control it blah All blah blah
0: right. so i guess tomorrow so tomorrow is dead
1: tomorrow is dead
0: <laughs> success <laughs> all right all right folks um so thank you very much for tuning in we hope you enjoyed um this is this is wrapping up our tomorrow never dies episode if you would like to hear more maybe you'd like to hear us talk about the mandalorian or game of thrones or you'd like to hear us talk about the great show watchman uh check out our podcast a uh, podcast not podcast uh podcast we are available for streaming on stitcher apple google uh spotify even you can find our social media at llh podcast on instagram facebook and twitter you can check out our website www.longlostheroes.net um you can also uh you know send us an email if you like you have any questions info at longlostheroes.net um i'm aj here in jersey city
1: and i'm frank here in brooklyn
0: take care guys
1: bye